It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Well, good morning. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe, and I have the honor of filling in for Brian uh, today. And then, of course, you know, it's the holidays, right? We've got four days left in 2020. And we are all just kind of drifting around trying to figure out how to spend these last few days of, of what has been just a dreadful year for so many people, not just here in the States, but around the world as well. I am headquartered out of the city beautiful. That's what we call Orlando, Florida. I have been working from home during this pandemic for 288 straight days. And I, I live in a high-rise in downtown Orlando on the 30th floor. Beautiful view out the window. Uh, Orlando is mostly open for business. Florida is mostly open for business. And we're going to start the Brian Kilmeade Show right here in Florida. As I want to loop in here to the Brian Kilmeade Show, Rich Edson. Rich is the Fox News State Department correspondent. And, and Rich, I know with the holidays and everything going on, we've moved around some of our, our Fox News reporter assets, and you are now traveling with the president. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's not a bad gig. It's about 30 degrees in Washington. So to have some fill-in work down here in Florida is a pretty good thing. Yeah, especially where you are, because you're you're out in Palm Beach, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. We're right across the way from where the president is uh, spending his holiday, and uh, you know, right on the water here. It's it's a it's a great place. It is. Um, Mar-a-Lago is is a nice place. West Palm is a nice place. I mean, it's very ritzy, very upscale. Some great shops, some great restaurants, fine dining. I don't know to what extent it's all open here during this pandemic, but of course, Florida is mostly open. Rich, I'm going to actually kind of start with a with a bit of a personal thing with you, if I can, and then we're going to switch into the to the presidential politics. But now that you've spent a couple of days here in Florida and you're accustomed to spending those those days there in in D.C. and in the suburbs of D.C., what has it been like for you to travel during this pandemic, and and especially traveling from an area where the restrictions are quite a bit different than where they are here in Florida? Yeah, and it's a totally different vibe, too. You know, we do have a lot of more outdoor dining in Washington, and heat lamps go only so far when you're trying to have something to eat outdoors. And, and you know, you really, really can't get the same type of, of, of flavor there. So there's a lot more clothes there. there are, there's a lot less to do uh, in Washington just by the nature of the fact that it gets cold there. Um, as for traveling, you know, it really is hit or miss. Sometimes you get on a plane and there aren't that many people. Uh, when I flew down here yesterday, it was the flight was jammed. Um, in fact, they gave us a ground stop because they said there was so much traffic on that corridor. Just to give you an idea, the people are really traveling again. And, you know, I just, just for work, I'd been traveling through the campaign season. And airports looked different a few months ago, much different. They were much more quiet. They had fewer people in them. And it really felt like an abnormal time to be flying. Not everything is open, but it looks a lot more like normal, like 2019 normal these days than it used to. So it seems like it, it feels like people are traveling, not to the extent that they were maybe a year ago, but a lot more than they were six months ago. We're talking to Rich Edson, Fox News State Department correspondent. He is traveling with the president in South Florida. Uh, you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. And, Rich, the, the president has not had many slash really any public appearances 
Uh, he hasn't had any news conferences. I mean, he's kept a very, very low profile since the election. Uh, do, does he have anything on his schedule for today? No, not much. Um, you know, usually when he's down here, and I've covered him the last few years when he comes down to Mar-a-Lago, and he really does unplug from from a lot of the media. Now, occasionally he'll pop up. Um, usually it's unexpected. Usually it's unannounced. Uh, in years past, there's been a couple of times where he's gotten us all together and, and decided to do something public. He's decided maybe to go to a local fire station for Christmas or for the New Year holiday. Uh, but, you know, what we've had so far in the first week is, you know, he really hasn't done much public. Even last night, uh, with that abrupt signing of the COVID relief and government spending bill, there was no ceremony that accompanied it. It was uh, just simply the news that leaked out from folks who are staying over at the uh, at the resort with him and said, yep, sign the bill. And then, a, and then a press statement came out. So we haven't really seen much of it uh, right now. His schedule has nothing public on it. So, um, you know, the, the press pool that follows him, they, they gathered about an hour or so ago to head on over and wait and see if he uh, if he goes anywhere, plays golf or does whatever today. But, yeah, as far as public engagement is concerned, uh, we really haven't seen much of him this on this trip. And, and Rich, did I just miss it or did the president has the president not made any kind of public statement about the Nashville uh, RV terror attack explosion, whatever that incident is? Yeah, I haven't seen it. And I, I was covering that on Christmas morning back from Washington, D.C. Um, and, uh, and and just the as it's really taken a a local and Washington, D.C. move to it. And there are, there is a massive federal response there. Not only do you have the field offices for the ATF and FBI down there that are working on this, um, but, you know, there's a headquarters element to this, too. So we had some statements from those in the administration, but we haven't really had a, a profile statement from the president about that about that explosion. Uh, obviously, a lot of our listeners, a lot of Brian Kilmeade listeners, are going to be wondering what exactly is in that that economic package that the president did sign, uh, seemingly begrudgingly, so seemingly reluctantly. Uh, can you break it down for our listeners as to what they should expect from this stimulus? Sure. And, you know, you have to understand that what this bill is, it's actually two bills that were soldered together by Congress at the last moment because Congress now doesn't do anything until the deadline. And then it moves the deadline back a week or two. And then it does what it's supposed to do, which is fund the government every fiscal year. Now, this fiscal year government funding package, the fiscal year ended in September, on September 30th. And so this is Congress doing what it was supposed to have done months ago. On top of that, there is the COVID relief bill, which is the $600 checks and the moratorium against uh, about, against evictions and making sure there's an extended unemployment insurance from the federal level. All of that was wrapped into a regular government funding bill. So it's the function of the government, making sure that the federal government is funded all the way through September of 2021 and then on top of that, that's the COVID bill. And, you know, the president says that he wants larger checks as a part of this. You know, abruptly came out uh, earlier last week and said that, that $600 a person wasn't enough, that he wanted $2,000 a person. So he has signed this bill, and this bill is now enacted, and the, the extended unemployment insurance and those checks and all of that will now finally legally go through the works and, and eventually make it down to – uh, to the American people. But now Congress is left with 
a few things. The president in this message said that he wanted certain cuts to the government funding bill. To uh, He didn't really specify, but there's been criticism about foreign aid and there's been criticism about some other things that are that Congress passes as part of its government funding bill every year. So that's something all that Congress now would have to get together and change the law. And, you know, they're they're running out of time here and, and they're going to adjourn and um, they're probably not going to do what the president is asking them to do. So it's a lot. It's a it's government spending and it's that COVID relief bill. And then you're walking into the next year uh, where the next administration is going to want to come in and do something different. And there are congressional dynamics with that. And, and lastly, for you, we're, we're talking to Rich Edson. Rich is the Fox News State Department correspondent, but he's traveling with the president down in Mar-a-Lago uh, today and this week as the president is uh, enjoying his holidays here in uh, Florida, over down in South Florida specifically. Uh, but the president, as you just alluded, the president had said he wanted a $2,000 direct payment to uh, to American citizens or to some American citizens. And the the House is working on that bill. Um, and, I, and I know that I'm asking you to cover both you know, the Congress and the president here. But is, is the Congress likely to pass something like that out now with a, a supplemental $2,000 payment? It seems unlikely. And the reason it is is because you had Senate Republicans for months held out on a much larger coronavirus bill because they were concerned about the size. And the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell had said at the end of this debate where they did pass this bill that just the president just signed, uh, that it was an appropriate bill and that they would return next year see what the economic and coronavirus conditions were and debate it then. Um, he, McConnell has been warning for months that there isn't the appetite among Senate Republicans to pass a large bill like that. And frankly, there might not even be an appetite among House Republicans. Um, you will very likely see House Democrats bring this bill up because uh, they are all for $2,000 payments and could very well pass it out of the House. It seems unlikely that McConnell might bring it up. And if he did, um, it seems unlikely that, that the Senate would even pass it. So something that significant with that many questions about support and at the very end of the year and the very end of the Congress, um, with all the procedural delays that people can throw up, it seems pretty unlikely um, that Congress is going to pass that and the president is going to sign it and enact it into law. But Democrats love putting uh, congressional Republicans on the spot here and trying to create a wedge between the president uh, and them. So that's something that the Democrats are going to use to their political advantage, certainly, uh, and create some problems for, for Republicans. But it seems unlikely it'll be law. All right, Rich, I said that was my last question. Evidently, I had one more in there that I was unaware of. <laughs> Um, what about the airport? We, we've got a report this morning that indicates that uh, President Trump has an interest in renaming the airport there in Palm Beach to the uh, uh, to, to, to the Donald J. Trump International or National Airport, something along those lines. Yeah, well, you know what? It wouldn't be the first airport, right? We fly out of Ronald Reagan National Airport in Washington, D.C. I was um, saying I, so I flew out of not... the Bill and Hillary Clinton Airport uh, in Little Rock just last month. Yeah, there you go. So it's not unprecedented. And, you know, we're at the point now where, look, he's president of the United States. And uh, I don't I would imagine 
I can't name a president that, that there isn't some sort of public institution or something named after them. Um, you know, usually it takes a little while after, after they've left before schools and airports and bridges and federal buildings and everything under the sun uh, has the name of a president. But um, yeah, that's certainly in play. Certainly is. All right, listen, Rich, I sure appreciate your time and information. I know the Brian's listeners certainly do as well. Rich Edson, Fox News State Department correspondent. I Listen, I hope you're able to have a, a safe and a happy new year and maybe see some family in that time. But stay healthy either way, would you? Thanks so much. And you too. Thanks. Uh, Rich Edson, once again, joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. we got a phone number if you want to join us. You can call 866-408-7669. I will tell you that when it comes to airports and, and naming things after living people, I, I am uneasy naming things after living people uh, just because their legacy has not yet been finalized. Uh, their history has not yet been finalized. Now, of course, I recognize that in recent years, we have come to tearing down statues all across the United States as well, uh, because in, in those cases, you know, we, lo- we look at, uh, just as an example, out in San Francisco, there was the school that they wanted to get rid of the, the school name, Abraham Lincoln, uh, and, and they, they wanted to get rid of that. So in, in that sense, they are saying that his, even after all these years, <laughs> after all these decades, centuries, uh, since... Abraham Lincoln has been alive. Uh, people are still rewriting his legacy, at least out in California they are. Um, but, but he's been long since dead. When it comes to people who are still alive, I just feel that there's, it's, there's a real risk there when you name something after somebody who is still alive because, well, you don't know what they're going to do and you don't know what's going to happen. And some people snap and then you have to go through and rename everything. And the, the Bill and Hillary uh, Clinton Airport, my understanding is – that it started as the, the Bill Clinton National Airport in Little Rock. And then as, as uh, Hillary was running for president, they added her name to the airport. So it became the Bill and Hillary Clinton National. It's not international. They don't have any international flights, but it's a national airport. And um, it, it's, if you ever see that airport, if you ever happen to be in Little Rock and you see the signage, you'll, you'll see how it was all an add-on that the, the Bill and Hillary part was, was an add-on because uh, it's in smaller letters. It doesn't match the font. It doesn't match the size. It's weird. It's, uh, it's, you're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. I am in for Brian today. I'm headquartered out of Orlando, Florida at WDBO, which is uh, Brian's station here in Orlando. Uh, I know that we get a lot of calls in from uh, Orlando, and we're excited about that. You can join us. What do you think? Should, should they go ahead and flip the switch, pull the, uh, press the button, and change the signage and change that airport to the Donald J. Trump Airport, you can hit us up right now at 866-408-7669. That's 866-408-7669. You can tweet me uh, at Talk Radio Joe. I'm on TikTok. I'm on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. It's all at Talk Radio Joe. We will continue coming up with your phone calls and, uh, and more thoughts about renaming airports in the name of uh, living people. That will be coming up here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you for listening. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. One of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie. Formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. 
Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, my name is Joe Kelly, in for Brian Kilmeade. Today you'll find me at Talk Radio Joe. Let's jump right back to the phones here. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Let's go to Arkansas, uh, hmm, where Bill is joining us. I, I know that's not the Bill in Arkansas, because I don't think they live in Arkansas anymore. Hey, Bill, how are you? Welcome to The Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm great. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Uh, I'd like to voice my opinion on Trump naming the airport after himself. I think that's totally appropriate. And uh, I'd like to see it specify that the only president ever to lose lose an election due to fraud. I know that won't happen, but he definitely should have his name on the airport. Well, that would definitely make a long title for the airport if we had to include the asterisk about fraud or anything else like that, right? I mean, that would just be too long for a title. Yeah, you'd have to use the whole runway to put a sign up there. And and then consequently, (laughs) Bill, since you are Bill from Arkansas, are you similarly in favor of the Bill and and Hillary Clinton airport? I mean, does that that make sense to you too then? No, not at all. So, so... 
Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Oh, it's, it's not that you support naming airports after presidents. It's that you support naming airports after presidents that you like. That's correct. <laughs> All right, dude, I, I appreciate your candor. Thank you so much. Let's go to Betty in Rochester. Hey, Betty, you're joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good, thanks. What's on your mind? Um, don't mind that the president is naming it after him, but, you know, it's his choice, his prerogative, I guess. I don't know. I don't know that it is his choice. I think it's the airport authority's choice. Yeah, that too. But I feel like there's more important things than naming an airport after ourselves. Yeah, there there seems to be a bit of idol worship there as well, and and that has always been a bit of a struggle for me naming anything after any politician. I I I put politicians as in the category of public servants, much like I do garbage men. They're public servants, and would we name uh, an airport after a garbage man? Probably not. All right, let us know what you think. You can join eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. My name is Joe Kelly. And you are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Do you agree that the worst is still yet to come? You know, I, I do, Dan, and the reason I, I'm concerned and my colleagues in public health are concerned also is that we very well might see a post-seasonal, in the sense of Christmas, uh, New Year's surge. And as I've described it as a surge upon a surge. That does not sound good at all. A surge on a surge. That is, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Uh, talking about how the worst is still yet to come. My name is Joe Kelly. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. If you want to hit me up on social media, just to go to at Talk Radio Joe. If you want to call, that's what we'd like you to do. You can call 866-408-7669. I will say that I am not traveling at all for Christmas or New Year's, though I did travel in November, not Thanksgiving, but the week before Thanksgiving, as I traveled from uh, here in Orlando, Florida, which is where I broadcast from, uh, to uh, uh, Oklahoma and Arkansas to visit my mother who at the get this guys at the beginning of the pandemic my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer and she had never had cancer before my father has already died so she's pretty much alone in Arkansas and I had been wanting to go see her but it had been difficult with the coronavirus especially for a period there when Florida was the epicenter of the coronavirus, and I certainly did not want to travel to go see my sick mother uh, and, and run the risk of exposing her to coronavirus. So I kept putting it off, putting it off, finally traveled. It was a fine experience, I suppose, and uh, I'm done traveling for a while. But let us know if you have travel plans and if you have any anxieties about your travel plans. You can hit us up at 866-408-7669. Let's go to Patrick in Orlando listening here on WDBO. Patrick, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. 
Oh, yeah, I like uh, the topic. Here in Florida, I think we should name, uh, get, take the names of people off things and name them off uh, Seminole Indian names or maybe Florida nature names. And uh, I think that would remind people they're in Florida when they come here. I, you know, I don't hate that name. I uh, hate that idea, Patrick. I, but you said we shouldn't name it after names. Then you said go to, you know, seminal names, but those are still names. But you meant people. They shouldn't be people's names, but they can be names of tribes. Yes. That yes. Kind of stuff? Uh, okay. Names, names that the Indians have given different parts of nature. I will tell you that I, I always feel weird about idol worship. And, and I think when you put in names, you put especially living people. And you put their names on things, that smacks of idol worship to me. And I'm just not a fan of idol worship. And I would be a much bigger fan, uh, like you say, and, and that is just name it after uh, local things rather than local people. Patrick, thank you so much. You can join us at 866-408-7669. Let's go to WHIO up in Ohio. Scott, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Yeah, so I was listening to you, and I, I, I guess I... Is it, is it idol worship when when uh, the president's done all he's done for the American people, or is it just a token of gratitude and appreciation? I guess I'm a little confused. And then the comment about being a public servant and uh, comparing him to a trash man. I mean, I don't if a trash guy did everything that the president's done and has been through as well. I mean, right. The commonality yeah, is they both work for us. Yeah, I, I, I get that, but I don't think that he's gloating or. or you know, pounding his chest to say, you know, name an airport after me. I think it's at the very least we can do uh, for a guy that one has done everything he's done with an arm tied behind it, one arm tied behind his back. But second, I mean, you can stack up the last five presidents and put their work together, and it doesn't even come close to what this man's done for this country. Now I can tell you that that right line. here in Orlando, that Ronald Reagan Boulevard is only about five or six miles away from Barack Obama Parkway. Uh, and I would imagine in, in your city you see a lot of the same stuff, Scott, of, of roads named after presidents and such? Uh, I do, and I think some of them are, are deserving and, and some of them are, are not. Um, so, so which ones would not, as an example, then? Well, definitely Barack Obama. I mean, you can just turn that into an alleyway. Uh, now, but, but you understand that there are people that, that are Democrats that view him the same way that those on the right view Trump, right? Well, and I guess that's the division in, in this world, because if you're going to take up for that resume, then uh, obviously there's something to matter. I'm just going by the, the volume, the sheer volume of work and facts. I'm not going off of opinions. I'm going off the resume. So if that's what you want to pass out for somebody that's done so little, then, you know, so be it in your world. But when you're in my world, you know, we call a spade a spade. Scott, thank you so much for calling for Ohio. Let's go back to uh, let's go to Eric here tuning in in Orlando on WDBO. Hi, Eric. You're on the Brian Kilmeade show. Eric. Let's go to uh, Robin, who's joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade show. Hey, Robin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Um, I just wanted to say that I agree with the last caller. Trump has done a lot for this country. It's fast, and I think he deserves his name. And I don't think it is an ego thing. I mean, Barack Obama did nothing but ruin this country. So his name deserves to be on a uh, orange jumpsuit like Hillary and Bill. <laughs> but, but you do understand that, that people on the left don't see it that way, right? 
I know. They're, they're, they have closed minds. I understand that. Yeah. And they, they fly out of airports, too. They do, but lately everything's for them. I mean, you can't even say a word today, and the left calls you a racist. So I think it's time the tables get turned and we get our fair due on the right side. All right, very good, Robin. Thank you so much. Let's go to Steve joining us from Charlottesville, Virginia. Hey, Steve, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, how's it going? Good. Hey, um, I, I got to say, I mean, uh, hearing these callers talk about the airport thing, I mean, I don't understand the obsession with with naming everything after Trump. They want it called the Trump vaccine. They want it called the Trump stimulus. They want. Well, I mean, they call it Obamacare. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, he signed that into law, didn't he? Yeah. But I mean, the vaccine. Trump didn't invent the vaccine. He gave some people money, and they created a vaccine. Which is great. I'm happy, but I'm not going to call it the Trump vaccine. Right. So so do you think that that an airport, any airport should be named after any president? I, I, I don't really see the importance of it. They get a library. Isn't that um, isn't that enough? I mean, I, I, I don't care. I feel like there are much more important things going on right now. And it really comes down to, you know, things like state legislative bodies and county commission bodies and other ones, you know, local ones, as to whether or not they've got an advocate for somebody, say, as a President Trump, to rename airports after people like that. Uh, I, I just and, – and to be clear, I'm not – by no stretch am I anti-naming something after Trump. I, I generally share your view, Eric, and I'm just not a fan of naming things after people. Yep, I'm, I'm with you, and you said it earlier. I, I think politicians are civil servants. They should work for us, um, and I, I think we glorify them way too much. Totally agree. They, thank you so much, Steve. I'm glad you called. Thank you for listening. 866-408-7669. I want to welcome in here. Can we go to Christopher Heath? Can I get Chris in here? Uh, Christopher Heath is a reporter for Channel 9 Eyewitness News here in Orlando. He and I work together. And, uh, Chris, I wanted to loop you in here so you could share with Brian's audience uh, some of the information that you shared with me about payroll taxes. Uh, good morning, Chris. Good morning to you, Joe. First time we've talked since the holidays. So I hope it was I hope it was very merry for you hmm. in a frigid as, as well as can be expected, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah, no. So the payroll tax hiatus that uh, the the president signed back in September, um, a lot of private employers didn't didn't uh, take part in it because it was unfunded, and so there was a concern that on the back end employees would pay twice. Well. Federal workers and uh, most of the active-duty military got auto-enrolled into it because it was obviously through the federal government. That payroll tax um, pause, if you will, comes to an end on January 1, and uh, the DOD is informing right now military families that starting on the 1st, not only will their payroll taxes be back in place, but they're going to have to pay back all of those months, about three months of not having to pay payroll taxes. So they saved 6% for three months, and then starting in January, they're going to be paying, they'll go from basically zero to 12%. So they're bracing for that. And um, a lot of people are are trying to sound some alarm bells here and say Congress should do something because that's, unfortunately, when the president signed the executive order in September, it's unfunded. Congress would have to come in and backfill it. Congress so far has not acted to do that. So anybody who got their payroll taxes paused um, on January 1, you will pay back everything that was was not withheld. Wow. That, that, that sounds rather punitive. I mean, p- people who are in the military generally aren't making bank in the first place. Many of them have spouses and kids, and that money gets uh, otherwise used. 
I cannot imagine them then having to spend their money to pay back taxes that would have otherwise been taken out of their check as they went along. Yeah, and that's why you saw a lot of private employers uh, opt not to get in, enroll in this, enroll their employees in this, because there was a concern that just because the money doesn't need to be collected now, that we'll have to pay it all back in January. And that looks like what's about to happen. The big difference here is federal workers, and this is, you know, people that work for the federal government all the way through the military, who also are federal workers, um, didn't have the choice. They were, they were auto-enrolled into having this. So um, you, you're seeing a lot of veterans groups come out and kind of start sounding alarm bells and say, listen, if, if for nothing else, just for the military, um, forgive this so that you're not having families on January 1 start seeing their payroll taxes double. Yeah, I hurt for those families because that will certainly, that will be felt in those paychecks. Uh, we're talking to Christopher Heath. He's the political reporter for WFTV Channel 9 Eyewitness News in beautiful Orlando, Florida, which is open for business, y'all. If you want to come down to Florida, we'd love to have you. Uh, Chris, <clears throat> the other topic we've been discussing this morning uh, is whether or not to rename the airport down in Palm Beach for uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, your thoughts on, on renaming airports and naming things after living human beings and politicians? Well, setting aside the, the thoughts on doing that, I mean, the simple, you know, blocking and tackling of renaming an airport. First of all, the airport's owned by Palm Beach County, which is a rather Democratic county. So unless there is a sea change in Republicans and Democrats in Palm Beach County, I don't know that you're going to see the airport named after Donald Trump um, there just because it's unlikely you're going to see a Democratic county name an airport after a Republican president. And then, you know, I mean, I heard you talk earlier about, you know, not liking to name things after people. Um, you know, I think when time passes, I mean, how long in like baseball, how long do you have to be out of the game before you can be eligible for the Hall of Fame? It's like six or seven years. You know, because they, they want to have a little bit of time go by. Right. Um, you know, if you, if you have some time go by, you can kind of get a better view of somebody's legacy. I think we, we you know, I think when George H.W. Bush left office, a lot of people thought he'd had a kind of a failed presidency. But then looking back in hindsight, you see a lot of the accomplishments he had in just four years. Jimmy Carter is somebody who I think everyone agrees his presidency was terrible. But the man, I mean, you, you'd be hard pressed to find a, a more noble citizen out there than, you know, post-presidency Jimmy Carter. You know, what the work he's done with Habitat for Humanity, oh, yeah. you know, feeding he's, the poor. He's, he's um, been an he amazing Sunday school. Yeah, he's, he's been a fantastic statesman. And, and George H.W. Bush, post-presidency, yep. was a fantastic statesman. Yep. So I think when you get removed, you know, 10 years after a president leaves office, if you want to talk about it then, I think you have a better view of it at that point. Um, I think, you know, Donald Trump is still the president for at least until January 20th. And then, you know, if we get to um, January 20th, 2030, and people want to name an airport after him, um, I think we'll have a better view of his time in office. It's just, yeah, I, my, my general sense of it is, you know, follow baseball's lead, give it some time. Okay, but let's use the George H.W. Bush as an example. If you go down to Houston, Texas, you'll find an airport yep. named after him. You'll find uh, all kinds of roads and stuff named after him. And you might recall when the hashtag MeToo thing came up that George H.W. Bush was, I don't want to use the word implicated, um, but there were a couple people who raised complaints about him saying that he was a little touchy-feely. And yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, and that's so long after his administration, you know, there still can be things that come up in, in people's background. 
They can be. And listen, and this is this is why we get to local control. You know, I think unless you live in Palm Beach County, you don't have a dog in this fight. Um, and, and same thing, you know, you talked about, you know, here in Orlando, we have Ronald Reagan Boulevard. Well, if you know, if you live, I think that cuts through what Castleberry, you know, if you live in Castleberry and want to rename the street, you can you can go to the city, you know, council and talk to them about that. And, and that's why I think, you know, we we. It's important to remember that local control is the is really what the whole idea of federalism is about, and that is that Houston can name an airport after George H.W. Bush, and if, if people in um, Oklahoma don't like it, well, they can name something after, um, I think, uh, T. Boone Pickens. He's a pretty famous <laughs> he Oklahoma. Is. He's Barry a famous Sanders. Oklahoman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Brad Pitt. I, I could probably name one or two yeah. more. <laughs> right. But, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if, if you – listen, if in the community you live in, the county you live in, you want to name something after somebody, there is mechanisms out there for to make that happen. And if you don't live in that county and you don't live in that city, then you don't have a dog in the hunt. Indeed. That is Channel 9 Eyewitness News political reporter Christopher Heath here in Orlando. Chris, thank you so much for sharing thank your you, uh, expertise with Brian's listeners uh, this morning. My name is Joe Kelly filling in for Brian Kilmeade. We'll get more of your phone calls coming up straight ahead at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly, and this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Expanding your knowledge base, it's Brian Kilmeade. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. By the way, if anybody has any questions about Florida, hit me up. I'm happy to answer any questions. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you're thinking about traveling here uh, for any reason, be it business or pleasure, uh, maybe moving here, trying to get away from the states with the punitive uh, COVID restrictions and punitive tax structures and everything else. If you want to move to Florida, uh, we're digging it. It's going to be 74 and sunny today, so it's going to be gorgeous uh, this afternoon. Disney is open. Uh, Magic Kingdom is open. SeaWorld is open. Universal Orlando Resort is open. They're all open here in Florida. Uh, the same cannot be said for the similar resorts out in California and in some of the other states as well. All right, you can join me here. I'm Joe Kelly for Brian Kilmeade. You can call 866-408-7669. Let's go to Eric, uh, also listening here on WDBO. Eric, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Joe. I left New Jersey in 2005. It's the best thing I ever did. Mm, I bet. <laughs> um, I just wanted to chime in, and I totally agree with you about the fact of people being alive and dead. Um, JFK Airport... Nobody bats an eye. He was a great man. He's got an airport, but he was dead. Um, there's a USS George H.W. Bush and a USS Gerald R. Ford, two aircraft carriers, dedicated while the men were still alive. The third USS McCain, how a senator rates a, 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 a war vessel, I don't know. But If, if, I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, though, Eric, isn't that the, the ship, the McCain, named after John McCain's dad? No. Not no, there's three. Oh. One was named after his grandfather, which was a rear admiral. One was named after his father, and that wasn't a carrier. I think that was an LSP. The one named the third McCain after John McCain, I think, is a guided missile uh, cruiser. But um, your, your, your guest that you just had on, Mr. Heath, he brought up a good point. A lot of it has to do with who the person is and, like, the cancel culture. I think all this hoopla is because it's Bush. I, I mean, I'm sorry, because it's Trump. Because... 
you know, Trump could endorse oxygen and the left would all run out and suffocate Oh, themselves. sure, 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 sure. And, and, and uh, like Martin Luther King, he mentioned about people finding stuff in people's background. Martin Luther King was a womanizer. Nobody cares that he's got statues and pictures all over the place. It's what he did and what he changed. They forgive what he did to his wife and those other women because of who he was. Trump will not get that pass. Eric, thank you very much. I certainly do appreciate that. We'll, of course, have more for you coming up here in just a few minutes. You can join me at 866-408-7669. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly. Stay with us. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. I am so glad you're joining us here on The Brian Kilmeade Show. You may recognize my voice is not that of Brian Kilmeade. My name is Joe Kelly. And I am the host of Orlando's Morning News at WDBO in Orlando, Florida, which is where I am right now. I have been broadcasting from home. Are you ready for this? Uh, Hashtag work from home. Today is day 288 straight days. I have been working from home, broadcasting from my home on the 30th floor of a high rise in downtown Orlando, Florida. Uh, Though I am told that I will be returning to our radio studios one week from today. So I'll finally get to go back into work. We'll see. Uh, But it's been a long time since I've been allowed into an office, as uh, so many people across the country and I guess across the world can relate to that that certain element of working from home or home confinement. Uh, You can join us. Here's the number. It's 866-408-7669. You can also get details. Go to briankilmeadeshow.com. My name is Joe Kelly. And joining us now... Man, I am so excited. I hope they make a movie about this guy because he's pretty awesome. Uh, He is a retired FBI agent. His name is John Iannarelli, and uh, John joins us right now. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Good. And we've got a variety of topics that I wanted to to run by with you here first, Uh, John. And I want to start with the RV blast in Nashville. When that first happened, I was so instantly taken back to Oklahoma City and the Murrah Federal Building. I um, mean, that was a box truck with, with dynamite or with, with uh, was it, phos- uh, phosphate, um, some sort of fertilizer, of course, and it blew up and it destroyed that building, killed a lot of people. Uh, this bomb reminded me of that one so much, the one in Nashville. Fortunately, though, without quite the destruction and certainly without the death toll. It was absolutely very reminiscent of that bombing and some other bombings we've had since then. Fortunately, uh, this being an odd one, though, where there was actually a warning telling people that a bomb was going to go off and letting people move from the area. Thank goodness for the police officers that put themselves at risk to be able to direct people away from the area of the vehicle that we didn't have a loss of life on Christmas morning. You know, and, and I feel odd saying, gosh, I, I'm kind of grateful that this guy set up a warning system to keep people away. I mean, obviously, he wasn't going for a large body count. His motive is still being examined because while he wasn't going for a large body count, there was still a fake call to 911 saying shots were fired, likely due to bring law enforcement to the area 
there was that recording that the bomb will go off in 15 minutes, but that was on a loop. So the officers had no idea when that 15 minutes was going to end or if it was even truthful. So people were certainly put at risk. We had several people that in the area that were injured, but also 40 different buildings sustained serious damage as well. Well, that was the thing that really struck me about Oklahoma City as I was in Oklahoma City uh, just days after the blast. And all of the cameras were focused on the Murrah Federal Building. But if you turn the cameras around, you would see that pretty much every building in downtown had shattered windows and cracked facades. I mean, that is a massive blast. And and I would bet there in Nashville, they're going to be cleaning up and perhaps not unlike 9-11, you know, finding pieces of debris, uh, you know, in some cases years later. In Oklahoma City, one of the key pieces of evidence was the axle from the vehicle, which most people don't know. The VIN number for your car is inscribed in various parts of the vehicle. Well, that axle that had the VIN number leading to the truck that led to the bomber, that was found two blocks away from the initial blast. John, when when investigators approach a situation like what what has happened in in Nashville, and that the what what we believe to be the suspect. At this point, we don't have any reason to believe that there are other people involved. But are investigators at this point would they be pleased that their their main suspect has not only been identified but he's dead, or is that a problem because they can't question the guy? Well, on the one hand, it's a relief. It's good to know there's not other people out there connected to this that are plotting. However, law enforcement is going to be very thorough in this. The FBI is looking at everything. They want to make sure no one else is working the plot. But there's a larger problem here, which is what law enforcement calls the lone offender. When you have big groups working together, say international terrorist organizations, It is easier to infiltrate, to get sources, to get people to give you information, find information online. When you have some guy who is described by his neighbors as a hermit sitting in his home plotting to do something like this, how are you possibly tipped off? It's the what you don't know that can hurt you that concerns law enforcement, and there's very little other than than the public's help that can prevent these things from happening. If you're the investigator, if you're the, the agent in charge of this, I mean, where, where do you start? You, you go to his house and you tear it upside down. Well, you go to the house, as they did on Saturday with the search warrant. They're going to grab his computers. I think one of the pro things we have here is he was apparently very much a technical guy working in IT. So there's probably going to be a treasure trove of information on computers. They're going to look at emails, uh, all his devices, not only the communications, but what websites was he searching. For example, when you look at, say, the Gabriel Gifford shooting, that person, by examining the computers of the shooter, we were able to see that he had been researching on Christmas Day, famous assassins and things of that nature. It helps you get into the mindset of the person that committed this act. Now, address for us, if you will, and by the way, if you're just joining us, uh, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly, and we are talking to retired FBI agent John Iannarelli. Uh, you'll find him on Twitter, at FBI John. Uh, he is the author of How to Spot a Terrorist, uh, and you're also the author of Disorderly Conduct, which I'm told comes out next month. 
That's right. Disorderly conduct, it's an examination of the lighter side of law enforcement. As people are talking about the funding, the police, I took the time to humanize it and talk about, hey, cops, FBI agents, real people with all the fallibles that come with being a real person, and some funny stories to help people understand what makes law enforcement go tick and go on behind the scenes. Um, and, and address for us also any kind of concerns about copycats. I know that we had another RV uh, that evidently was also playing some sort of recorded sound that the police had isolated. Uh, come to find out there wasn't a whole lot of there there. But when, when something like this happens, I mean, to what extent are local law enforcement agencies around the country suddenly given the squinty eye to all RVs? Well, I'll tell you, as soon as this had occurred on Christmas Day, law enforcement was on high alert around the country, making sure that, one, this was not a coordinated plan for further attack. But certainly people are going to be aware of suspicious-looking vehicles. This is not the first time something like this has happened. For example, in New York City, the Times Square bombing, that was all attempted by someone using a suspicious vehicle that a hot dog vendor spotted. Being a New Yorker recognized, hey, that car is not parked the way it should be parked. There's something odd about it. Police showed up after they were summoned by the vendor. Smoke started coming out of the vehicle, all due to the sharp eyes of both the public and law enforcement recognizing this isn't right. That's what police are going to be looking for now. If you see something, we've heard that phrase, see something, say something, well, this is something you should be aware of. Not an RV of itself, but something that doesn't strike you as right and maybe suspicious. We're talking to FBI John here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. What about conspiracy theories? I mean, this, at least superficially from what we've seen in media reports, that perhaps this guy was just a, a wacko conspiracy theorist that had concerns that 5G was somehow uh, going to penetrate his mind or whatever it is that we're worried about 5G for. What What are we worried about 5G for? The concerns with 5G is because a lot of the technology that is going to promote and make 5G available comes from China. So is 5G going to be used for spying? Can the government use 5G to look at what we're doing? There are also some health concerns that have been raised, none of which has been substantiated. So there's all these rumors. However, we don't know yet what this person's motivation was. That's one of the reasons the FBI and the local authorities will be looking at all his previous history of communications, examining the computers, talking to neighbors and relatives, so that they can get to the bottom and understand, despite the fact he's no longer with us, it's very important to put closure to this, so that way that information may be helpful in preventing the next possible attempt. So, John, what is what is going to be? What was it that put the FBI in charge of this, and not the Nashville Police Department? When the explosive went off, uh, there's a presumption that domestic terrorism is taking place there, or at least some form of, of terrorism, because of the nature of the explosion, the location, etc. The FBI is the only agency within the United States that has the authority to investigate such crimes. But 
but it's important to point out they don't do it alone. You had ATF on the scene who are experts in bombings. The local police, aside from the fact they are the heroes of this event, clearing people out, rely heavily on the police. They know the area. They know the people. They literally provide all the controls on the ground. But the FBI has massive resources as well, an evidence response team like no other that can come in in every office, including the one based there in Tennessee, that can pick up every little microscopic piece of evidence, including very quickly determining the DNA in the vehicle was that of the person that's been identified. Yeah, that was a very quick turnaround on that DNA test. I was impressed at how quick that came out. But I, but I would imagine the FBI would fast track that kind of stuff. After DNA was collected, I guarantee you it was put on a jet, flown to the laboratory at the FBI Academy in Virginia, and people working on Saturday and Sunday of Christmas weekend to identify who that person may have been. Part of the search warrant on Saturday would have been to gather anything, including, say, hairs from a comb or a brush that they can use to examine DNA against the samples they obtained. So of all of the crimes that you've been involved with, either that you've read about, that you have been a part of in the investigative team, I mean, what about this one? What about Nashville that, that really stands out to you as, as either totally normal in this kind of thing or totally bizarre in this kind of thing? It's unfortunate that when this happens anywhere, particularly Nashville, which is a great, great city to go and visit, it's a wonderful city to live in, but crazy can be anywhere, and that's part of the problem. Crazy, people with evil intent, there is no boundaries or limits. They're not going to be in just in New York's and L.A.'s and D.C.'s, so that's why people have to be cautious of their surroundings, not paranoid, but aware, and if they see something unusual, pass that information along so law enforcement can investigate. It's one of the reasons, once again, the FBI is going to get to the bottom of what motivated this so that information can be taken into consideration in the future when evaluating possible persons and situations that can be a threat to the public. You can find out more information. Go to FBIJohn.com or hit him up on social media at FBIJohn. And it's, it's been an, an honor to talk to you, and thank you so much for sharing your expertise with, uh, with Brian Kilmeade's listeners. Thank you so much. Joe, thanks for having me, and have a happy new year. You too, sir. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show. We're going to continue with your phone calls coming up straight ahead at 866-408-7669. Uh, we're talking about whether or not to rename airports uh, for, uh, for Donald Trump or for any living humans, living politicians. I am I'm not a fan of naming anything after any living people uh, as I don't think their legacy is finished yet. Uh, and that has nothing to do with, you know, Donald Trump specifically, because uh, I, I feel the same way about anybody else who's still alive. Uh, so let us know. You can hit us up at 866-408-7669. You'll find me on social media at Talk Radio Joe. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. 
Can I just tell you, I'm a big fan of the Brian Kilmeade show. So when Brian asks me to fill in, I'm like, yes, absolutely. I will be happy to fill in. So I am filling in for Brian today. My name is Joe Kelly, and I'm the host of the morning radio show at WDBO in Orlando, Florida for Cox Media Group. And uh, for anybody who's outside of Florida, we are mostly open. Uh, Our businesses are open. Our restaurants are open. Uh, there's limited capacity, of course, in some of them. We do, you know, generally have to wear face masks uh, for going indoors somewhere. Uh, Magic Kingdom is open. Uh, Disney World is open. Uh, sea World is open. Uh, Universal Orlando Resort is open. Gatorland is open. Uh, they're all open here in Orlando. So if you're looking to plan a trip, I don't work for the Chamber of Commerce or anything, but I do love my state, and, uh, and I think you're going to love Florida this time of year particularly. You can join me at 866-408-7669. Let's jump to Eric, who's joining us uh, from Louisiana. Hey, Eric, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good morning, Mr. Kelly. Hello. Uh, I'm just ca- Hello, can you hear me? I can. Okay, good morning, Mr. Kelly. Uh, thanks for living up to Brian Kilmeade Show's standards of just being a recent, uh, voice of reason here. I would just like to just put it out there and see if this may have some cause for concern about the negative impact that the um, payroll protection and especially regarding the unemployment benefits. I'm just worried that the unemployment benefit portion of this package is perhaps may have a negative effect on small businesses' um, choices to hire because if they, especially in the states where, you know, it's kind of inconsistent lockdown, open up lockdown as such, it seems to me they might be a little more reluctant to put people back to work and new hires. Perhaps maybe they'd be offset by the payroll protection uh, clauses and laws, but I believe that there might be an unintended consequence of not hiring people, so... Well, that is interesting. I, look, I think people are going to hire people if if there is a need for it. I mean, employers are not going to go out and just hire people just because uh, the, the pandemic has moved on or whatever the case may be. If there's not a need for those people, they're not going to get hired. Um, and I'll give you an example. Like here in Florida, I've been a little surprised by this because as as some of the restaurants open and they open, say, to 25 percent or 35 percent or 50 percent. I think to myself, well, that means that restaurant is going to be absolutely full, 50%. And what I have found is that even when restaurants are open, there are still a whole lot of people who are not going to restaurants right now. Um, some of the people that I work with at my radio station, you know, for, the, for seven, eight months now, have not eaten out. And they've only ordered in, and people still aren't going. So it's, but, but that's great because those are personal choices. But for the restaurants that want to be able to hire back all these employees, they're not going to hire them back just because they have the, the PPP. They're not going to hire them back if there aren't customers to be served. And yeah. if, if customers don't go out there and support these restaurants by dining in, not just you know Grubhub, that kind of stuff, which takes a pretty big portion of the uh, restaurant's profits – uh, then, then they're not going to be hiring anybody back. So we, we've got to take it upon ourselves to get out and support these local restaurants and eat when we can. Uh, have you had an opportunity to eat out anywhere since the pandemic? Actually, no. It's down here in south, southern Louisiana, there's nothing open. You could go to the drive throughs at McDonald's, and that's pretty much about it. Small little community. So, yeah, so notice, even... I think President Trump actually tried to address that when he required some of the states to, you know, tally up something joining his paper i mean uh um unemployment benefits Eric, i think that was a pretty thank, good idea with it yep thank you so much we appreciate that we'll continue with more of your calls straight ahead here on the brian kilmeade show i'm joe kelly 
With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Well, I mean, obviously, this is something we always take seriously and concerning whenever you get a mutation. But but I think the American public needs to remember and, and realize that these are RNA viruses and they are continually mutating all the time. Most of the time, the mutations don't have a functional significance. But every once in a while, when you track it, you see something that gives a hint of or maybe even a reality of a higher degree of transmissibility. The un, uh, clearly recognizable voice there, I should say, of Dr. Anthony Fauci talking about the mutations that, that some experts are seeing when it comes to the spread of the coronavirus. My name is Joe Kelly. You are tuning in to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, BK is going to be back here with us on Monday, uh, taking some, some well-deserved time off. And I will tell you that if you ever get the chance... If anybody ever offers you an opportunity to fill in for Brian Kilmeade, I highly recommend you take it. Uh, don't reject it. Tr- to take the offer uh, because it's a whole lot of fun. And then you've got great people uh, like, like Pete and Eric who make it remarkably easy to fill in for Brian when he is out. Uh, you can join the show here at 866-408-7669. I am really excited. Uh, about our guest that's going to join us right now. It's uh, Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, and she is a Fox News medical contributor, family and emergency medicine doctor. Uh, You'll find her on Twitter, at Dr. Jeanette. Dr. Jeanette, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Happy holidays to you. Right back at you. I'm glad you're joining me here. Now, uh, here I'm in Orlando, Florida. We were starting to distribute the vaccines. Uh, Our governor has changed the priority of the vaccines a little bit here in Florida compared to some Mm -hmm. of the other states. Uh, As an example, we have a much greater interest in vaccinating uh, residents of long-term care facilities more so than all of the frontline healthcare workers first. I, I think Florida certainly has our fair share of retirees. Yeah, it, it's a challenge to determine who should get the vaccine first. We have to look, though, uh, Joe, where are we getting the, the, the largest and the greatest number of deaths? And, and that's uh, sadly our, our seniors, our grandparents, um, the elderly, and those in the nursing homes. So it, it, it makes sense to, to want to protect them. Um, we know doctors, nurses, we, we're well protected with PPEs. We have all the PPEs we need, our N95s, our masks, our gowns. If we catch COVID, our, our risk of death and dying is significantly lower than, than someone who's over the age of 75. So I can understand why he wants to do that. But you know what? It's just a matter of weeks. It's not a, a matter of a year or two before everyone gets it. Um, you know, we, we already have millions, millions of, of doses that have been, um, you know, sent out, that have been allocated, that are in the process of being administered. So it's not as if you're going to be waiting another year or two. It's, it's a matter of, of weeks, a week's uh, worth of delay. So I can understand what he's wanting to do to protect the most vulnerable. And, and Dr. Jeanette, I, I guess I, I, I have yet to hear a clear answer on this. Mm-hmm. as to how long we can expect to have an immunity in our bodies after getting the vaccines. Well, so for, for one of the vaccines, for example, for, for Pfizer, the, the data that they have showed that after the first vaccine, after you get the first one, about a week later, seven to 10 days later, 
because um, it takes time for antibodies to form. It takes about two weeks for antibodies to form. You may have up to around 52% um, protection. But then when you get that second dose 21 days later, um, then after that second dose, your protection goes up to about 95%. The key is understanding it takes about two weeks for antibodies to form. So probably a couple of weeks after the, the final dose, then you're, you would be, uh, we would expect for you to be uh, fully uh, protect, not fully protected, but 95% according to the data. Um, so, for example, that's what they say when you get your flu shot, when you get your tetanus shot, it takes about two weeks to kick in. You're not protected overnight. Sure. Um, you have to give your immune system but- some time to react and to create those soldiers, those antibodies, which help protect, fight the virus when it sees it. All right, Dr. Jeanette, you, you talked about when, when the immunity would kick in, but when does it go yeah. away? I mean, I, I've seen oh, reports that yeah. say that, you know, that that immunity only lasts for months, six, six to eight That's, months. Yeah. Very good question. I just read an, uh, an article that came out on the Moderna vaccine um, of how long will, will it be effective. And we, we do think it's going to be a, at least a few months. But we need more data. We need more studies. We, we need to follow it. Remember, this is this is a new vaccine, and we're, we're distributing it now. So time will give us those answers. Even though, Joe, you may not have antibodies that last, say, more than six months, that doesn't necessarily mean you're not protected any longer. Because there's other parts of our immune system, the t- our T-cell immunity, you know, other parts that can, for example, provide longer-lasting protection. So that's what's currently being studied and evaluated and time is what will give us that information yes we make that pivot to 2021 i know that there were a whole lot of us that fantasized that 2020 would stay in 2020 and not bleed into 21 Uh, but we know full well that that at least the first half of 2021 is going to be very similar to all of 2020 um but are we looking at that this pandemic, this coronavirus, is going to be like a seasonal thing like the flu? It may. Again, time will tell. I I hope not, but it's looking like that it's a possibility, especially with the the variants, the mutations that we're seeing. What happens is these viruses, they they want to stick around for years and years. And so to adapt and, and to survive, Sometimes they mutate, and that's you know determined based on our uh, our, uh, our our human behavior, the environment. But it, it's a possibility. Again, that's one of those things that time can tell. One thing I could tell you with my patients, with my COVID patients that I take care of, I have had a handful of patients that um, you know have had COVID more than once. Um, they've had it twice. I have I've had patients that you know had it back in March, and then again I just diagnosed them again, a couple of weeks ago. And but the good thing is, though, for most of them, their symptoms were not uh, as significant as they were back in March. They were, they were mild, but they, they, uh, they did catch it twice. So that tells us, you know, can you get it again? Yes. Uh, and, and then, you know, is it something that's going to be sticking around for, 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 for years to come? It, it's a possibility. It, right now it's leaning towards, yes, I think it's going to be around for a while. But, you know, if we can get everyone vaccinated, remember we, we call that that herd immunity. If we can get everyone vaccinated, then maybe it won't stick around. Just like, for example, polio, measles, and we were able to nearly eradicate those diseases because of uh, vaccination. Is that a possibility? It is. It's possible. But again, with t- testing, trials and time, we'll get those answers. 
We're talking to Dr. Jeanette Nishwat. She is a Fox News medical contributor, family and emergency medicine doctor. You'll find her online at at Dr. Jeanette, J-A-N-E-T-T-E. My mother's name is Jeanette. And so I'm always excited when I see a Jeanette because there's a lot of Janets and a lot of Jans and Janes, but there aren't a whole lot of Jeanettes. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited to have Dr. <laughs> Jeanette on with us here. Um, what about, you talk about herd immunity. Um, I mean, there are people who flat out refuse to get the flu shot every year because of whatever reason, be it something conspiratorial, they're putting uh, tracking chips in you, or because you're going to get the flu by getting the flu vaccine, or I just don't like needles or whatever the excuse may be. How do you, how do you sell an entire population on a vaccine that has never been produced as fast as this one? Well, I think for for those who are skeptical, skeptical or maybe have concerns and fears, I think the first thing to do is I, what I do is I listen to my patients. I listen to what their concerns are. I let them speak and voice their opinions. And then I take that opportunity to provide them with the data that exists. I educate them and I ensure that they have avail- that they have easy access to the vaccine and ensure that it is available to them. Um, but, that, you know, all we can do at this point is, is educate um allow for awareness in the community, be a role model for our patients. I'm going to be getting, you know, my Moderna vaccine in a couple of days on on Thursday, most likely, or later this week. Um, I, you know, so I think that's also important is is to to act as a role model and lead by example, in addition to uh, educating patients and, and, and telling them about the risks versus the benefits and showing them that, you know, vaccines um, save lives. And each year we have um, about 30,000 vaccine preventable preventable deaths. And, you know, if you look at, you know, hepatitis B, meningitis, polio, measles, so many diseases we were able to, um, you know, er nearly eradicate and so many deaths we're able to prevent because of, of vaccines and the beauty of, of medicine, the technology um, that we have, which is, is really a, a blessing. I went out to an event uh, over the weekend here in Orlando, and I was thrilled to see everybody wearing masks. I mean, awesome. I, we've got a lot of great compliance here in town. And, and I, but, 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 but I just shook my head in disbelief at how far our society, I don't want to say has fallen, but just what a strange trip it has been to think that we now live in a society where you don't leave the house without putting a mask on first. I mean, that just, I struggle with that. And, and, and address for me, if you will, the, the psychological and mental aspects of what we have all been going through here this year. As I said earlier, I'm on day 288 of working from home, which isn't exactly the same as self-isolation or home isolation. I'm working from home, but I'm not quarantined. Um, but, but I mean, this has been a struggle for a lot of people. It has. You're right. Um, it, it, and it caused, you know, a lot of anxiety, depression, increase in, you know, drug, drug use, opioid, alcohol use. Um, but you have to understand the mask can save your life. And I do believe that it's temporary. You know, the, the vaccines are, are found to be, um, almost 95% effective, 100% effective against severe complications. So just understand that it, it's temporary. It, it is hard. It's a challenge. You can't, people can't see you smiling. But let me tell you, um, Joe, they work. They can not only save your life, they can save the lives of your loved ones, of, of your neighbor, of people who are vulnerable. Um, you know, I, I have 
not been, uh, for I have been fortunate in that I did not catch COVID this year working with COVID patients all year long because I wore my mask because it protected me. But psychologically, it is tough um, to have to work from home, to be on, on lockdown, on shutdown, to have to wear your mask. But it, it is temporary. And, you know, the vaccine is just around the corner for, for, for those who are non-essential workers, for those who are not in, in long-term health care facilities or, or nursing homes. So I would say just hang in there. We, we've gone through this year, and there really, that, uh, there really is a light at the end of the tunnel. We, we really are uh, have come such a long way as far as with vaccines and therapeutics, and I'm hoping and praying. And I, I do believe that next year, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we're not going to have to worry about social distancing and wearing masks if everyone um, goes out and gets their vaccine. And I'm going to hold you to that. You know, I'm going to find you if, <laughs> if next yes. Christmas I'm not hanging out with my family, Dr. Janet, Jeanette, I'm going to I'm going to come find you. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. Orlando, I, I used to work there in Orlando, so I'll, I'll be in your neighborhood. Okay. Well, we're talking to Dr. Jeanette Nishwat, and I just have one last question for you. Yes. Uh, address for us the, the mutations that, that we are now reading about, and what is our level of concern about this mutating to a point at which those vaccines no longer work? That's a good question. So as it is right now, the, the data that we have coming from Pfizer and Moderna show that the vaccine is still effective um, because the immunity that we get from these vaccines, the vaccine, it tackles multiple parts of the, of the virus. So right now it's still effective. Now, if we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mutations that are occurring often, then, you know, then we're going to have to tweak our vaccine, which can easily be done. And again, that's the beauty of this mRNA vaccine. Right now, though, the data that we have shows that these mutations are not significant enough that the vaccines will be uh, ineffective, which is a blessing. And if it gets to the point where there's so many mutations, um, that then we will uh, have to adjust and modify the vaccines that currently exist. And that's something that can easily be done with this new mRNA technology. So right now, that is not a, a great concern to me. Oh, and I will tell you that, Dr. Jeanette, I know that there's been a lot of concern about people who have postponed other medical treatments, other medical exams, other medical procedures because of the pandemic. And I, I evidently I found out I'm one of those people. I, I was supposed to have some heart scans and just garden variety heart tests done um, months ago. And, and they stopped doing them for a while. And then I stopped caring for a while. Uh, but I actually have an appointment today. Um, in fact, 30 minutes after the show ends with my cardiologist. So there are other health concerns that people need to make sure that they're following up on. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The COVID has overwhelmed hospitals to the point where some hospitals have to postpone elective surgeries. They have to postpone procedures. There's not enough beds in some parts of the country, um, you know, for, for non-COVID patients, for trauma patients, for heart attack patients, for, for stroke patients. And that's why it's so important. Remember what we used to hear, flatten the curve so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. Because if that happens, then all of us, we can't get the care that we need. And the quality of care will be either delayed or it will be reduced. And it, it, can, it, can, it can result in potentially lives lost if, if, if there's not enough beds and if you're stretching the the hospital staff thin. They're going to be fatigued. They're going to be tired. They may make mistakes. That's human nature. So that's why this is uh, important that all of us take responsibility and, and do the best we can in, in following the CDC guidelines. 
social distancing, wearing your mask. Um, you know, a lot of the outbreaks that we have right now are the mixing of the households, the social gatherings, people indoors, um, you know, elbow to elbow at the dinner table mm. um, with people that they don't live with. And that's how the, the, the virus spreads. And ultimately, cases go up, hospitalizations go up, lack of beds procedures such as the one that you're having um, gets postponed or delayed so we gotta we gotta really try to stick to these guidelines to get to where we need to be until we're able to get the herd immunity Joe Dr. Jeanette Nishwat it is such a pleasure to talk to you and I gotta tell you you're you're now my new favorite doctor so congratulations (laughs) Dr. Jeanette Nishwat you'll find her at Dr. Jeanette what's that Happy holidays. Thank you for having me. Right back at you. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeanette. We will continue the Brian Kilmeade Show. We'll get your phone calls. Let us know what your thoughts are about the vaccine. We're going to get into more about the the bill that President Trump signed, the stimulus relief. And, of course, we're still talking about whether or not we need to be naming airports after living politicians, as evidently Mr. Trump, uh, President Trump, would like to rename the airport down in uh, Palm Beach uh, for himself. Uh, So let us know, 866-408-7669. You can hit me up at Talk Radio Joe. And, of course, this is The Brian Kilmeade Show. There's no topic he won't touch. And there's no opinion he won't engage. One of the great joys of my life. Call in with yours at 866-408-7669. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his mouth to your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. Paul just tweeted me and writes, the CDC says the flu is almost non-existent this year because of wearing masks and social distancing. The CDC says COVID-19 is out of control because no one is wearing masks or social distancing. You can't have it both ways. Uh, The the COVID-19 is certainly out of control in some states, um, more so than others, that's for sure. I'll tell you, I I went to Oklahoma last month uh, to visit some family, and I was startled at how little concern they had there in some of the rural areas. Um, like Antlers, Oklahoma, uh, when it comes to you know wearing masks and stuff like that. We will continue. I'm Joe Kelly. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It is the Brian Kilmeade Show. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe. I am filling in for Brian today. You'll normally find me weekday mornings as the host of Orlando's Morning News in Orlando, Florida on WDBO, which is Brian's uh, station here in Central Florida. I'm so glad to be able to join you here today. You can join me at 866-408-7669. We're going to do a little bit lighter uh, topic here in this hour. Of course, you can join us for whatever you'd like to talk about, but I wanted to welcome in Uh, someone that I'm very excited about talking to today, Kevin McCarthy, who is a film critic and host of the Real Blend Film Podcast. You'll find him at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Kevin McCarthy TV. Kevin, hey, man, thanks for joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be on and talk movies, and I hope you're staying safe. And, yeah, this is I I always love joining you. Thank you for having me. This is like an annual tradition for you and me as I fill in for Brian this time of year, and I'm like, oh, let's talk about movies. 
So, <laughs> so let's, let's start with Wonder Woman 1984, and I will tell you that I saw that in theaters Christmas night, and I saw it at home on HBO Plus the following morning, and I, I've got some very clear thoughts on where I think the motion picture industry is going to be going, and I'm curious to get, get your take on that. First, tell us about uh, the, the new Wonder Woman sequel. Yeah, I mean this is this is an unprecedented moment, right? In 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 our in this industry where you have a film of this scale uh, coming to theaters and a streaming platform like HBO Max the same day. It's it's uh, it was a little scary to hear that news at first, to be honest with you, because it, it does make you question how the theatrical experience will go. I, I really appreciate that you went to the theater. I, I did the same thing. I saw it in theaters first time I saw it, and then I saw it again at HBO Max at, at home. Um, you know, for me, I, I know a lot of people are home right now, obviously, with the, with the pandemic. So it makes sense that the that the viewing element would be more in your home than it would be in a theater. But uh, there's something about being at home that it, it, it just doesn't feel it's not it, it, the distractions are, are overpowering. Like It's easy to pause it and get up. And, and, and so to me, it takes you out of the film personally. Uh, so if my experience in the theater for Wonder Woman was a little bit different uh, from an emotional standpoint. Uh, this film, you know, this is Patty Jenkins. She's returning. She's. She's a really great director. She directed the first Wonder Woman. I don't love this one as much as I love the first one. I think it uh, has a little uh, pacing issues, a little heavy-handed emotionally, but uh, it's a little too long. But I think overall, the action scenes are fantastic. Gal Gadot and um, Chris Pine are great together. Uh, the DC sequences were great. I live in DC, so that was really made me really happy to see all the DC sequences <laughs> specifically. Um, but yeah, I thought it, I thought it was well done. I mean, but but the future of theatrical is a very is a is a Interesting subject that we can delve into, especially with next year's release. Uh, Warner Brothers is putting all their films out on HBO Max in 2021. So, all right, and hang on. Before we get to that, let's let's finish our review of of Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, and I I appreciate how you phrased that. You didn't like it as much as you did the first one. Uh, right. And and I, I got to tell you, my my. The more I watch that movie, the more times I have seen it, and at this point I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say I'm, maybe I've seen it four or five times, just because I really wanted to understand the experience, the difference between watching it at home and watching it on the big screen. And right. um, each time I watch it, I, I dislike that movie even more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely. listen, it's not a perfect film by any means. I, 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 I don't dislike it as much as a lot of people uh, do I, I know that the discourse on social media for this film has been pretty brutal. Um, I'm I I am under the impression that I think I don't know. For me, this is the type of film that that doesn't that that works, but also has things that are wrong with it. So for me, I I don't dislike this film as much as most people do personally. And then Pedro Pascal, evidently, they they can no longer make movies or TV shows unless it features Pedro Pascal. Yeah, he's an amazing actor. Obviously, Mandalorian, uh, he's great. I think he's great in this film. I mean, if you think about the movie, there are so many things that are great about it, and then there are things that just aren't great about it. I mean, like, for example, I can rush through 10 scenes off the top of my head now that I think are phenomenal. Like, there's a great sequence where the plane goes invisible. I thought that was a gorgeous sequence. The Cairo uh, action sequence is incredible. Um, I love the mall sequence. I mean, there's just some, there's, there's a lot of yep. scenes in this film that work. It's just overall, the film didn't work overall as well as the first one in my opinion now let's talk about the the changes that could be coming to the motion picture industry and this this is obviously right up your alley but when i went to the movie on christmas night i went with my kids it was a dine-in theater the dine-in theaters of course try to compete with the home theater experience 
Um, but, you know, in, in my party, the burger was served wrong and we had to send it back. And then a lemonade didn't taste quite right. And we had to send that back. And all of this while the movie is playing. Yeah. And and I didn't realize that I had missed some key lines to the movie until I watched it the next day alone at home on HBO Plus. And, you know, when you when you add that part of it and just knowing that you're sitting in this massive crowd. But can I tell you what really made a difference for me is I realized that going to the motion pictures, going to the theater is a horrible date idea. It's just horrible (laughs) because I was looking forward Christmas night to going and, and hanging out with my kids and spending time talking to my kids and stuff. But when you sit down in this theater, you don't talk. I mean, you just sit there and watch this movie. I mean, I would rather, if I'm going to go out in public, I would rather go to a restaurant or to a bar or to a park or somewhere where I can actually be social. And, and I'd rather just watch the movie at home when I can pause it when I want to get some food, pause it when I want to go to the bathroom. And, and finally, the last piece that really seals the deal for me, um, and this is a habit that I developed working in radio. So when I'm on the radio, uh, we have to keep everything quiet, as you well know, right, Kevin? Everything has to stay quiet. Right. So we mute all of our TVs and all of our studios, but we turn on the closed captioning so we can read it um, just in case there's any breaking news or news we need to know. Well, I habitually now watch everything with my closed captioning on. It helps me understand (laughs) accents sometimes if an accent is too thick and I can't understand it or if I can't understand someone's name. um, It really helps me understand the movie better. And, And that's an experience that is just really unique to home. I know they have things for people who have uh, that are hearing impaired and stuff at the cinema. But this has made a huge difference to me to be able to have the closed captioning at home. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple of things on uh, what you were saying, like one with the closed captioning, I, I, I I've almost honestly started doing that myself. I mean, I, I find it to be, it actually makes these experience a little more immersive from yes. an audience perspective. Yes. It makes yep. you kind of pay attention more um, from the theatrical experience, the dining. Uh, just personally, I'm not a fan of the dine-in theaters because I don't want I don't want someone coming up to me in the in the middle of a movie and asking me for an order or something like that. So for me, when I go to a movie theater, I kind of want just the the solid sit down. Like I saw Tenant uh, four times in IMAX uh, over the summer, or I'm sorry, I guess in September when it came out. And I I went to an IMAX theater and didn't go to a dine-in, and I it was my my favorite experience I've had in a movie theater in a long time. So. Um, I think the dine-ins are a little tricky because it, that you know, that dine-in basically is like being at home. You have distractions. There could be people come up to you and saying hi, and I, I don't know. I, I find it better to watch it in a straightforward theater. I think the dine-ins, the blankets and all the food, it, 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 to me it's like I just it, – it, that's not really how a theatrical experience should be. I, I think a movie theater experience should be sitting in the best quality screen and sound possible, getting a comfortable seat and enjoying the film. Uh, having a waiter come up or server come up to you, and, and as for your order, it seems a little uh, counterintuitive to pay attention to the film, I think. Kevin McCarthy, look into your crystal ball. I mean, what, what, is, what is the motion picture distribution industry going to look like in a year, two years, five years, ten years? I was, listen, I was really saddened by that, that uh, by kind of what was going on with the, the theatrical release of 2021 with everything uh, on the Warner Brothers side going to HBO Max on the same day as the theatrical release. Um, I mean, personally, again, you're, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so everything is so unprecedented that we have to adjust and try things. I personally think there needs to be shorter theatrical windows. So what that means is normally a, 
a theatrical window is when a movie comes out in theaters, there's usually a 90-day window or so in between the period that it, that it comes to your home viewing. Um, I think you just shorten those windows. I mean, I, I don't like the idea of a day and date release. Uh, I think Netflix has been doing a good idea, a good job with this over the years where they put a movie out for two weeks specifically in theaters to force the theatrical release. Then if you want to see it at home, you just wait an extra two weeks. Uh, for me, I, I think the day and date is dangerous, so especially a lot of the films that are coming out next year for Warner Brothers, films like Dune and, and, like, and these Matrix 4, these massive, massive blockbusters. Uh, I think they should be given a theatrical run first, even if it is just two to four weeks. Uh, you know, I don't know where we're going to be from the pandemic standpoint come the summertime or come late next year, hopefully in a much better situation. But right now, I think that was a really bit, a, a bit of a strange decision. I think there should be a smaller theatrical window and then go to streaming. Streaming is not going away. It's part of the world now. It's very convenient, and I totally get that. Um, but I also think the theatrical experience can never be matched. Uh, Kevin, no matter how much money you spend, it will never be matched. I know you got to get going here. Just real quick, uh, anybody wants to to binge anything, stream anything, what do you recommend for the rest of this week? All right, the best show I've seen in a while is this mo- is a show called Ted Lasso. Ah! Uh, isn't that great? Oh, my gosh. I wrote down Ted Lasso to bring it up with you. Ted Lasso on Apple uh, Plus has made yeah. my pandemic. Yes. It's such a great show. Uh, Jason Sudeikis and everybody. Oh. It, it, it's so well done. Yes. Uh, that's great. The Queen's Gambit yeah. obviously is phenomenal. There's also, some great stuff out there. I also wrote down Queen's Gambit. My, my three <laughs> movies I wrote down were Queen's Gambit, uh, Ted Lasso, and I wrote Away which was that oh, Netflix yeah. series, which I loved, but they've already canceled Hillary it. Swing. So Yeah, Hillary Swank, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, but, I know uh, we, yeah. could, we could talk all day, and I, I love what you do. Kevin McCarthy, film critic and host of Real Blend Film Podcast. You'll find him at Kevin McCarthy TV. Kevin, it's always an honor, and I hope I catch up with you again next year. Hey, always a pleasure. This is, the, this is one of my favorite yearly traditions now, so I'm looking forward <laughs> to hearing from you and Pete again next year, and we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll go, go at it again. But uh, there's a lot of – oh, one thing I will say, if anybody out there is trying to watch Tenet, um, don't watch it through the streaming platforms. Get, get a physical disc for it. That's, that's the only way you'll get the IMAX shots that Christopher Nolan shot. That's my favorite movie of the year next Well, and Soul. obviously you have, you have obviously proven that you're far, far – Far smarter than I am because I saw Tenet. No. I saw Tenet and I just struggled with Tenet. Oh, I, I, I've seen it eight times and I still struggle with it. But it's but but the struggle of it is the best part. It's like it's like Nolan makes you work. You have to work when you watch the film. That's I kind of what I love about Chris Nolan. So. <laughs> I go to the movies to work. No, I get it. I get it. But I think it's more of an immersive tool if you if you're if you're kind of so in the movie that you're. Try- I mean, like that. There's a line in Tenet where the actor says, "Don't try to understand it." feel it and that's exactly what the attendant experience is it's like a ride um and for me like as i've watched it more and more the film has just opened up so many different possibilities uh from a storytelling standpoint but that's a that's All a right. phenomenal movie but i hope people can give it more than one chance it's, All right, brother, i will i will watch it again just because of you uh kevin sounds mccarthy good. sounds good thank you so much we'll talk again next year Happy New Year. Thank you so much. You too, buddy. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. You can join us at 866-408-7669. I'm Joe Kelly. We'll continue straight ahead. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. So I'm riding in the elevator, right? I I live in a 30-story building. I'm riding in the elevator, and I'm by myself in the elevator. And I always keep a face mask with me in case somebody gets into the elevator and then is wearing a face mask so that I can put mine on. And I just – I try to mirror the room when it comes to face masks. See, here in Florida – I'm in Orlando, Florida, filling in for Brian Kilmeade today. My name is Joe Kelly at Talk Radio Joe. Uh, here in Florida, we've got a little bit more relaxed rules than places like New York. And whenever I hear Brian talking about how how tight the rules are in New York, I think to myself, man, am I glad I don't live there. And man, am I glad I live in Orlando, Florida, uh, because, you know, we're able to get out uh, a little bit and, and to do some things. And I, I just love that I'm able to get out some. Um, but I got into the elevator, right? And I'm, as I'm in the elevator by myself, the elevator door opens and a dude walks in. And it took me all of a half a second to notice that the, the gentleman only had one arm. And his other arm was completely full, right? It's Christmas time. You're carrying packages. His other arm is completely full. And you ever have those moments where you start to say something and then you just can't stop it from coming out of your mouth until it's too late? I felt so bad about this as the guy got, and clearly he was trying to hit the button for the floor that he wanted to go on. And me, without even thinking, said, oh, hey, here, let me give you a hand. And I'm like, oh, no, don't say hand. And I just felt horrible about that. So I've decided I'm never going to talk to anybody in an elevator ever, ever again. All right, it's the Brian Kilmeade Show, and you can join us here. Let's go to, do we have time? Let's go to Lisa in Georgia. Lisa, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show, and you wanted to talk about uh, President Trump, as some uh, would like to see the uh, airport named in his honor uh, down in South Palm. Oh, yeah, definitely not. (laughs) I think uh, Trump is such a, uh, his comments are so crude and crass grab a woman by her pee. I mean, the nicknames for fifth grade nicknames for people, Pocahontas, and just he's such a controversial, and and some people are fine with it. He can say anything he wants, but he's so controversial that that airport, I think, would see a lower ridership or... um, Really? You think people would avoid going there just because of the name of the airport? I would. I would. I think people would take a stand. Half the country is divided. And I think people would take a stand. And when being rerouted or a connection flight, they would bypass that airport if they can. And, and, you know, if they can't, then they have to go in if they have to get somewhere. But I think it would be a conscious decision not to do it. Now, Lisa, and, I'm, not, I'm um, not arguing with here, but I just going to want to kind of flesh out your, your views on this. Uh, you don't like Donald Trump. You don't like the things he said. You don't like the things he's done. Surely you heard callers earlier who said the same thing about Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and mm-hmm. Bill Clinton, and they all have things named after them. I mean, you understand yeah. that depending on one's political persuasion, mm, roughly yeah. half the people are going to think it's a horrible idea. Yes, and there was a bridge uh, renamed in uh, New York, and I'm not a fan of it. I don't like – I mean, historical things, uh, I can ignore names, but – um, today, I don't think I think we'll be above it. And I, I think you should name it by the county or location where it is. I don't think it should be named after individuals, um, especially an individual that stirs such emotions in people because 
if you when you think about Trump, the bottom line is you got to think, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. And that's the end of the story. You know, 65 pardons he's done, 60 have been personal. Nobody knows dirtier people or has dirtier affiliations than this man. I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. Lisa. We've had a lot of past presidents who have granted very questionable pardons. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I, I get it. You don't like the president. Uh, but you, you, I'm going to ask you the same thing I asked the other people. I mean, you understand that there are a lot of people who think that he is the greatest thing ever, the greatest president of all time. You know, I think that's because, like, he tells them not to watch fake news so that they won't be kept abreast of what he's doing and his antics. So he writes them off by saying it's fake so they don't put any credit in it. Like the stimulus checks would have been passed automatically in 10 days if the president ignored it. So he let more households suffer. And then to come in as the hero with the banner, he wanted to give more. He knows Republicans won't give $2,000 each. He just he and he and he'd have to be in, involved in the talks and he wasn't. So he just likes the, the, the publicity and the notoriety and fame. Like, look, now I'm giving this to you before the 10 days automatic pass comes through. It's just, Lisa, got, I got to I got to stop there, you there. Thank you, thank you, Lisa, so much. I'm glad you called and shared your thoughts with us. And of course, if you want to react to Lisa, uh, you can jump online right now. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. You're listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. All right, we got a lot of topics going here and uh, just a little bit of time left, but I'm excited. If you want to jump on and grab one of these phone lines, you're welcome to at 866-408-7669. My name is Joe Kelly. If you're just tuning in here, I am the host of Orlando's Morning News at WDBO in Orlando, and I'm honored to be able to to keep the chair warm for Brian uh, today. He'll be back, of course, on on Monday. Uh, this is the time of year when a lot of people take their time off from, from the radio, obviously. Uh, uh, we're going to uh, continue talking about uh, whether or not that we should name airports after living people, particularly in this case, President Trump uh, down in South Florida. Uh, we're also talking about movies, whether or not you think the motion picture industry is going to change when it comes to distribution. Or are you going to go to the cinemas, the multiplexes to see it? Or are you going to stay at home and watch it in the comfort of your own home? And I want to introduce one last thing here. Uh, there's a Harvard economist, a Harvard professor, Ashley Willens. And she says that when the pandemic is over, we're going to change what our work week looks like. So for those of us who've been working from home, and in my case, I've been home for 288 days broadcasting from my apartment. Uh, but for, for those people who have been working from home, she predicts that companies are going to switch from nine to five to what they call a three two two work week. That's three days in the office two days from a remote location, and then two days off. Is anybody on board for a 3-2-2? I don't mind working from home, and I do not mind working from the office, but I got a feeling that I would really, really mind going back and forth every single week. I think that would wear me out, and I would just be intolerant of that. 866-408-7669. Paul is joining us in Virginia Beach. Hey, Paul, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Um, hey, hey, Joe. Um, good morning. Hi. Um, I'm trying to get my um, head wrapped around that 322. I don't think it'd make a good song like that 9 to 5 Dolly Parton song. Oh, yeah, you're, you're probably right about that. 
Though, though, if anybody could do it, Dolly Parton could. Oh, definitely. Um, so what's, what's on your I mind? I actually called in. Um, I called in earlier because um, the lady that was just um, before me, Lisa. Um, yeah, Lisa, pretty, Lisa um, does not. Lisa said she wouldn't fly to an airport named after Donald Trump. Well, I mean, that's her choice. If she's got to, you know, do a layover in Detroit, she might change her mind. That is a very good point. You, do you but have any, I heard, you, um, yeah, I actually um, had thoughts about it. Um, somebody had said something earlier with all the controversies that they're, you know, having with, uh, you know, airports, schools, whatever. And, of course, then, you know, 10, 20, 30 years later, they rail against it and cause all this problem, and it costs so much money. You know, we should just start numbering things and keep it simple because nobody could get mad at, you know, saying it was uh, airport number one. You know, that's, you know, I, I know that there's a hint of sarcasm there, Paul. Uh, but you're potentially onto something. But don't they name public schools in New York like PS12, PS14, uh, you know, public school 14? Uh, I, I don't know that that's necessarily wrong. I don't think we want to get into the point of of saying it's Airport 7. Uh, but but I understand what you're saying, but stuff that would not necessarily be quite as controversial. Definitely. But I actually had a question. I've been It's been killing me. I've been trying to call in and talk to anybody. Um, had you... You know how Congress's approval rating was what, like, we'll say 5%? It's low. Yeah, it's ridiculously low. And then Trump's was like 45%. And then with the you know the election, everybody was saying, oh, yeah, you know, it was really just a repudiation of Trump. But if everybody hates Congress, to me it's more like Trump carried the Republicans across the finish line because Americans actually came out to vote for him. And then, of course, to help him succeed. But there, there's a weird the phenomenon, Paul, that exists with members of Congress. And that is the American people generally hate Congress except – and what's the exception? Except for their own member of Congress. Uh, people generally hate Congress. They hate the members of Congress, but, oh, my guy's the best. <laughs> so voting out my guy is something that they just don't ever do. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of like Charlie Brown and Lucy. That's right. It just keeps happening over and over and over again. Paul, thank you so much for calling the Brian Kilmeade Show, 866-408-7669. Matt is tuning in on WZPR in North Carolina. Matt, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thank you, Mr. Kelly, for taking my call. Thank you. I agree with um, your caller two callers ago, Lisa. Hmm? But I have more to add to it just quickly, briefly. Yeah, Uh, go right uh, ahead. Who had this... Who had the idea of, of naming the airports after living presidents? I thought, I mean, Trump, what is the right of him, even though I agree with his policies and not his behavior? What? Where did he come up with the idea, I want this airport named after me? I don't even care. I won't fly an airplane. Okay, so you don't object to the airport necessarily. You're not saying that you won't fly to the airport if it has his name on it. You just You're saying you don't fly anyway. I'm saying no. I'm saying, who came up with the idea? And is this hubris or pompous or like well, I told you, Matt? I mean, to, to, to be honest, I mean, we've been naming buildings after people for a very, very, very long time. This is not a Trump thing. This is not new. Uh, as we said earlier, I mean, there are other airports named after uh, past presidents: uh, Bush and uh, Kennedy and Reagan. I mean, there there are other airports. Okay, but I thought there was a rule that had to be uh, I've been deceased. No, you're you're thinking of uh, of other rules. There there is no such rule as to whether or not a building or a road or anything can be named after somebody who's dead or alive. Now, I happen to think that it is it is ill advised 
to name anything after somebody who is still alive as their legacy is not complete yet, but, it, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's obviously not a decision I get to make. Thank you so much. We appreciate that, Matt. Let's go to Garrett, who's tuning in in Orlando. Garrett, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Good morning. Happy New Year. Um, with the previous caller, Paul, um, I, I believe there might be some truth in terms of a person might, must be deceased uh, for a certain amount of time before they can name a federal building. I, I, I don't. I don't think so. Um, I don't. I do not no. believe that's the case. And keep in mind that the airport is not a federal building. Um, exactly. And, and, and maybe with DC federal buildings, it is. I, I don't know about in DC, uh, but generally that is that is just not a rule. Well, um, well, then then the whole point I was about to make is mistaken because what I was going to suggest should that be the rule? If any building is being built with federal funds, then the prohibition then the prohibition should stand. That was that was the point I was going to make. That's interesting. Yeah, so, right, the airport, I don't know how much federal funds would have gone into the airport. I, I know that certainly airports are in part federally funded and locally funded. Uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know how that would how that would play out exactly. Yeah, well, the prohibition against counties and cities and states, of course, is, uh, would be probably ruled unconstitutional because that's their money. Um, may well, may well. Garrett, thank you so much. I'm glad you called. Let's go to Mike joining us here on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, Mike, you're on with Joe Kelly. How are you doing? I'm just waiting to talk at you, Joe. Well, you got it. You're here. What's going on? Okay, that little girl Lisa's on there. <laughs> I was listening to her. She sounds like she's a, a young, woke, you know, student, you know, from college or something. Sure. Look. I don't care, you know, they can name whatever they want, whoever they want, you know. There's no big deal about that. They've well, done well, wait, hang years. on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There's got to be some sort of limits, right? I mean, we don't want to have our kids going to Adolf Hitler Middle School. I mean, I, I know that's extreme, but there, there has to be some sort of limits. Yeah, but I understand what you're talking about, but I'm talking that, uh, of reputable people, people that have set their legacy and continuing to set their legacy. Okay, but I mean, I'm sorry, know, but how do you, def- how do you define how do you define that. reputable though? Reputable is somebody that don't go against our country, that's for our country and the people of our country. You know, right? They don't have to be a president. They don't have to be sure. a president. Oh, I would, yeah, I'd agree. But look, you you realize that that half of America agrees with you, the other half of America agrees with you as well, but in the opposite direction. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, mean, if, yeah it, I understand what you're saying. The country's divided. I understand that. It's divided almost like it was in the 60s and early 70s when the Vietnam War was going on when I was over fighting. May so, well be. You know, people, people want to protest and get against them. They better find out what they're getting against exactly or what makes, makes making the split because I went through that in the 60s, and that was a bunch of malarkey. All these split-tailed girls out there and long-haired hippie boys, they were protesting us when we come back from fighting, yeah. putting our lives on the line for I our know, country. That, that and they, you can't protest nothing unless you've been there and done that. That's what I see. Well, gosh, and I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to disagree with that too. I mean, we we – we don't all get a fly to the moon. We don't all get a fly to Mars. But shouldn't we all have a say so on how much money is going to get spent going to Mars? I mean, just just because we haven't walked a mile in someone's shoes, we as taxpayers still pay for those shoes. And shouldn't we have a say so on how it's going to be used? In a way, yes, I agree with that. But also, these people that walk in the shoes—that's you know, you walk in somebody else's shoes. That's the reason there should be term limits on Congress and Senate. 
just like in the presidency. You know, that you, way you don't have to walk in their shoes. You can put somebody else in there because shoes will wear out. You know that, and I do too. <laughs> and you realize that the Congress is never going to impose term limits on themselves, right? I know that. I yeah. know that. I, I, I know. Mean, I wish not, they no, would. Was, hey, 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 listen. I was in politics back in the 90s, and I was a Democrat. And I spent – I had a five-year term. And uh, after that, I told my wife, I said, I'm getting out of politics because I see what these people are doing and what they're going to do. I said, I got to get out before I kill somebody. I get you it. You know, and then that's when, I, that's when I changed to a Republican. All right, Mike. Thank you so much. Happy New Year, buddy. I'm glad you called. 866-408-7669. Let's go to Hudson, Florida, where John is joining us on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hey, John. Hey, how you doing? Great. What did you want to say? So, I just wanted to chime in on this airport thing. You know, I've I bet people wouldn't be crying about it if it was named after Joe Biden or something like that, you know. But, you know, when it comes to Donald Trump, they, they, they have a quick fingered point right at him, real quick, to point out all his faults. But you got to read his biography and read about the time that uh, his limo broke down and these people stopped and well, I think I th- right, John. I think without going case by case, I think I think we can all agree that there are uh, there are certainly a lot of pluses to Donald Trump, and he has certainly done a lot of things that have helped the party, that have helped the country. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. He is at times his own worst enemy uh, by the way he speaks with people and, and some of his behaviors. And you guys know that even the, the die hardest Trump supporter knows that, that sometimes he creates his own problems. And uh, that just, you know, that rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, I agree. With, I agree with that. You know, I mean, he's a New Yorker. What do you expect? You know I mean? They're all talk a lot you know i, I know I, i've been in new york i've lived in new york for a little while and um you know i've had a lot of new, york, new yorker friends and but um yeah but you know they're so quick to point out donald trump's faults but yeah you know when it comes to biden or anybody else you know it's like everything swept under the rug and that's that's what really gets to me you know is that these people quick to point out his faults yep. but biden can brag on tv about you know not giving a billion dollars to a country or you know Calling people, telling them they ain't black if they don't vote for him, and this and that, you know, being racist and everything else, and and you know they look at Trump like he's racist, and I don't. I get it, that John. I totally get it. Thank you so much. We'll continue with more of your phone calls coming up straight ahead. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. You can get more information about the Brian Kilmeade Show at briankilmeadeshow.com. My name is Joe Kelly. You'll find me on social media at Talk Radio Joe. We'll continue with the Brian Kilmeade Show straight ahead. Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. So I just have to say, if, you, if you've not seen Ted Lasso, it's on Apple Plus, and uh, they've already renewed it for a second season, and it's based upon an NBC Sports promo that promoted soccer to Americans, and it is hilarious. Uh, there's a lot of bad language in it. Uh, they cuss a lot because they're soccer players in England. And uh, evidently, soccer players in England cuss a lot, I'm told. All right. My name is Joe Kelly, and you are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Let's get right back to the phones here. Let's go to North Carolina where John is joining us. Hey, John, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Yes, sir. Um, just calling to share um, my thoughts about the uh, airline um, 
yeah, for anybody who's just for having. anybody who's just tuning in, uh, the, there is an effort to rename an airport down in uh, near Mar-a-Lago to name it the President Trump Airport. Thank you. You know, uh, my in-laws live near Little Rock, Arkansas, and there, when you fly in, the whole Arkansas uh, Little Rock Airport is the Hillary and Bill Clinton International Airport, and there's a lot of controversy controversy around their life. Uh, half the country didn't vote for them for her four years ago and never did i think not to fly into that airport because <laughs> her name's on it never I, 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 I just the cancer culture of the left wing of our country the crying the babying um it, it, it's it's enraging to the point where i haven't listened to talk radio for a month because i didn't i i didn't like how the election turned out i think there was a lot of um uh disinformation a lot of cheating going on so i've not really wanted to watch my spirit over christmas which is the lord's birth you know i didn't want to think oh, about it i turned it on please. today yes i know and here I know. and here and here we go i listened to it and someone's saying i wouldn't even fly into an airport i wouldn't dr- drive three hours to avoid a name you know no. and that's all it is it's a name mm-hmm. and, and and just the hatred towards president trump i agree i'm a preacher I agree. His mouth had been has been very crude. I think it's gotten better. I think he had some people close to him, including Vice President Pence, that uh, that as a Christian that talked to him and said, "Look, this isn't this isn't well by your testimony." I I, I believe that with all my heart. But I also uh, I would never have avoided an airport close to my family to get to visit my kids to visit their grandparents because of a name on an airport. I think we need to be a stronger culture in that. That Vietnam vet that spoke, I didn't agree with everything he said, but because of people like him, we have the right to do things like we did this Christmas and celebrate the birth of our Christ. And and John, as a a preacher, as you being a preacher, me being a Christian, uh, you know what, I'm sorry, but but love one another. And I don't care if I have to fly into the Bill and Hillary Clinton airport, which I did last month. Actually, I flew out of that airport. Uh, I don't care. I don't care if I'm flying to the Bush airport. It's actually the Hillary and Bill Clinton airport, if you look at the sign. Her name's always sure? (laughs) I could swear it was Bill and Hillary, but either way. All right. I'm just telling the sign when you drive into the airport, it's Hillary and Bill Clinton Airport, the big sign where the flag is. Okay. Trust me, I've choked, I've chuckled about it several years in a row. <laughs> I, I will take your word for it. Thank you so much for calling, John. I certainly appreciate it. I want to I want to be able to play some audio here for you real quick before we wrap up today. Uh, this is Nashville police officer James Wells. If you've seen the video of the RV exploding, there is a, a large black man, police officer. He's a Nashville police officer. It's this guy. It's James Wells. He's walking towards the RV, and then he suddenly stops and turns around. And John, as a, uh, as a Christian, as a preacher, you'll particularly appreciate, appreciate this. This is the Nashville police officer, James Wells, uh, James Wells, describing how he turned around as he was walking towards the RV he had a reason to turn around. And listen to this. And as I'm getting ready to walk toward them, walking back toward the RV, and I, this might not be politically correct, but this is my truth. And I literally hear God tell me to turn around and go check on Topping, who was by herself down on Broadway. And um, as I turn around, you know, for me, it felt like I only took three steps, and then the music stopped. And as I'm walking back toward Topping now, I just see orange, and then I hear a loud boom. 
That man had his life saved because he was told to turn around and walk the other way. Uh, That is a hero. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.